Hello and welcome to Story Untold. I'm Martin Bowen and my guest today is a man who has come a long way in life. He also happens to be a friend. I met him a couple years back when I was putting on a charity concert for Unity and he came out and performed. Wally Shaw is Mississauga's Poet Laureate. He's a spoken word artist and motivational speaker. He's performed at the Air Canada Centre and raised over a million dollars for United Way. But before any of that, he was a 15-year-old kid spending the night in a jail cell wondering where he'd gone wrong. This interview was recorded just after the violence in Charlottesville, and we talk about race and identity and belonging and how a kid turns struggle into something beautiful. Here's his story. Wally, you are a spoken word artist, an MC, a motivational speaker. I'm sure the list can go on and on. You're a, you're a university student right now as well. What came first for you of all of those different things uh, that make up who you are? Uh, yeah, so, well, basically what, what came first was, uh, was just my, my artistry. I've always been writing. I used to write raps before I came into spoken word poetry, actually. I loved artists like Eminem and, and stuff like that, and so... When I was like 12 years old, I just I picked up a pen and pencil and, and a pad and I just started writing raps and it's never been the same since. I just fell in love with it. I wanted to do something with it, but now I guess I've just been able to put more of a more of a comprehensive picture as to what exactly that looks like. But um, but the art definitely came first. First of all, who introduced you to to hip hop? It, usually, it comes from somebody, whether it's an older relative or. Or your yeah. friends, somebody plays you a CD or a song, and and it changes things for you. Yeah, so I had I had two I, I had like two really good friends back when I was younger. Um, my buddy Cash and my my buddy Saf, and and we were like, I don't know, we were just like little kids growing up in Mississauga, you know. And when I was growing up here, I mean, I, I knew what rap was, like I knew who Fifty Cent was and stuff, but I didn't really, I didn't really listen to like you know more of the underground and more of the you know, more of the legends and stuff. It was kind of like what was on the radio at the time, you know? Um, Tupac wasn't on the radio at the time. I didn't know who Tupac was until these guys showed me. I didn't know who, uh, you know, some of the classic, like Biggie or, or Big Al, any of these guys. I didn't even know who, you know, Eminem was until these guys showed me. So I kind of give them kudos for, for sort of breaking the ice in terms of what hip-hop and rap was. Because, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, maybe it would have been someone else down the road, but those guys did it, you know? And right away, you go to picking up a pencil and a pad and, and jotting your own lyrics, or when well, did that happen? Well, it wasn't right away. I think, for me, it was probably about a year or two before I actually did that. First, I'm like, man, these guys are talking so fast, you know? Like, I'm, a, I'm like a 10-year-old kid, and I'm trying to, like, just catch up with the, what they're saying in the lyrics, you know? And... Uh, there was no, there was no like lyricalgenius.com back then. Like you just have to, you have to like listen for everything, you know. And so, when I'm, when I'm like 12 years old, we have this program in our middle school where uh, every other Friday we would just have like personal activity time. So there wasn't any classes like for the Friday afternoons every other week. We could do whatever we wanted. And so one of the activities that I signed up for was, uh, was like a hip hop club. And like the club was like. Anybody in the school that wanted to like learn about hip hop could learn about hip hop, and there was this really cool teacher. Her name was Miss Me. She still teaches at that school. She would like play beats for us and like 
kids would like write poetry or write raps or, or some people would like go on a computer and they learn like how to produce using a keyboard and it was super cool like i i, I still i schools don't even do that stuff anymore but it was such a cool thing and that's when i first wrote rap music i remember it was in that little activity period thing that we did yeah and ever since then i was like maybe i'm gonna i'm gonna keep doing this you know do you remember your first lines that you jotted down do you have that saved somewhere oh my gosh <laughs> martin honestly i don't i probably don't want to i probably don't want to look back at it it was probably no you probably really, don't <laughs> probably, something, probably something so silly and and stupid but hey man we all start somewhere right yeah 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 you were born in pakistan uh when did you actually come to canada then was it very early on or do you have memories of being in pakistan uh yeah i came i came to canada when i was like three years old so my memory is quite faint i've been back only twice and i was like i was a kid i was like nine years old when i went back so i don't really remember much but with that being said i've always in recent years i've tried to find more pride in, in embracing my identity and who i am i think that's very important and before i wasn't always very proud to to be south asian kind of like an uncool like it just didn't, I didn't feel like it was, you know, something that was, was really worth being proud of, you know? People used to make fun of me for it and stuff. Like, I don't know, it was kind of like a like a blemish almost, like my personality. And uh, only recently I've kind of come to really accept it and, and be proud of it, you know? What was it for your family that sparked the move? Were there, did you have family already in Canada that had arrived and you were joining them? Yeah. Uh, how did it go down? Yeah, so my so a lot of my family was already here in Canada. And my parents wanted to give me uh, a better education and a better future, uh, which I'm very thankful for because I'm very proud to be Canadian. And this country is filled with so many great, wonderful opportunities and wonderful people like yourself, Martin. And uh, <laughs> and yeah, that was kind of the that was kind of the story. Since we moved to Toronto, so when I first came to Canada, we were in Toronto, the North York area, and we moved to Mississauga when I was like eight, nine years old, and we've been here ever since. You have mentioned in your TEDx talk that you did in Thunder Bay, you mentioned kids calling you a coconut. You talked about yeah. you know taking a while to become proud of your South Asian heritage. What was that like? What were you hearing from kids around you at the time, being a kid six, seven years old, just getting into yeah. schools? Well, you know what? Like kids <laughs> i mean how do i put it kids are kids are just immature right they don't they don't know anything they don't know any better so um whatever's funny they'll just, they'll just start they'll just start making fun of you for or whatever they think is funny you know what i mean you're, you're the kid that has like a like a weird haircut you get called a mushroom for the rest of the year you know mm -hmm. you get you're that kid that's you know a little chubby a little overweight you get you get made fun of all year you know it's just how kids are and uh they're ruthless you know so <laughs> there was kind of no mercy whatever you could find to pick someone on you just did it you know and, and i'm guilty of that too as a, as a as a younger guy you know um and it's also kind of the 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 pop culture the way that it influences us it sort of tells us that uh it's it's okay or it's cool to make fun of other people it's cool to be the class clown it's cool to kind of um, to pass your judgment on others, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of like a consistent theme growing up. But you know, when you get older, when you're, you know, when you're in university and college, you, you start looking back and you're like, man, that was so silly, you know? Like, yeah. it's just, it's just it's a childish thing, you know? But I've learned a lot from it because, you know, back then it kind of it kind of made me feel like I wasn't I wasn't good enough. But now it's like, you know, what? this is part of who I am, and I gotta embrace it. Did you have a problem eating coconuts from that experience, or, <laughs> or are you uh, okay with them? Oh man, 
No, man, I love coconuts. I love <laughs> coconut water. <laughs> That's so funny. That would be a shame. That's, that's I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. You yeah, know, you know another thing that you mentioned is uh in in that same TEDx talk, I think it was hurt people hurt people, right? That idea that people that lash out onto somebody else's insecurities are oftentimes covering up their own insecurities or they're trying to pass on whatever they're feeling onto somebody else. When did you come to realize that? Well, I think well, there was a very specific event in my life that kind of showed me that, and um, and I and I talk about it in my TED talk. It was when um, you know, when someone threw coffee on my mom uh, Christmas time uh, two years ago, and that was it was so it was so disgusting, it was so appalling, and nothing like that ever ever happened to to me or my family here in Canada. We've been blessed to live in an amazing country. Things like that are very rare occurrences for the most part, but when that did happen, it kind of just it just kind of got me thinking about the world, man. Like, why would anyone want to do something so, uh, so immature, so so stupid? You know, mm-hmm. like an innocent lady that hasn't done anything to you. Why would you do something like that, right? So, um, it got me thinking about some of the reasons, some of the causes that people act on, things like that. And you know, one of the one of the reasons that I feel like it is, it's just people have their own insecurities about whatever their problems were. You know, maybe those kids that uh, that you know. Not kids, but anyone really. Maybe someone that gets called a certain name or gets discriminated against now feels like they have to lash out to make it okay. You know what I mean? Like to cope with what they're dealing with, they have to hurt someone else. And that's kind of what I was trying to refer to. And I think it's true. It happens all the time, especially in especially in schools, right? Like in high school, you see so many kids that end up getting bullied and picked on, and the the victim ends up lashing out. You know, it's what we got. We got so many situations of uh, mental health in, in schools as well. Uh, what was your initial gut or instinctual reaction hearing your mom? And you come back from home and you hear what happened to her. Uh, yeah. What did that spark in you? Man, I was just, I was shocked more than anything. You know, I, I was I was really shocked that something like this could happen in you know Mississauga because there's so many different people of so many different walks of life in Mississauga and more so than that it's like the impact that it had on my mom hurt me a lot because she felt that you know she couldn't leave her house because she she was scared something like that was going to happen again you know although we try to reassure her that nothing like that would ever happen again and nothing has happened like that ever again but just a, just a psychological effect that it have that it had on my mom was it was a little rattling you know like and I and I didn't I I wasn't very I wasn't I didn't know what to do in that situation I wasn't very well for, informed or equipped in terms of how to deal with a situation like that you know so um so that's kind of where that went but I think the, the one of the positives that I can take from all this is that I was able to write about it I was able to I was able to share this experience with other people so that um you know we can have these conversations about these difficult things because sometimes it's hard to have a conversation about discrimination it's hard to have a conversation about you know your identity as a Muslim or or even whatever your identity is you know what I mean so um I wanted to spark that conversation I wanted to use my art to make a difference about it I mean today and this this week feels like as relevant time as ever for those same yeah. sorts of conversations with everything that's happening in Charlottesville, yeah, yeah. How do you feel, just as a human being? How do you feel about uh, what you see and and what's going on around us? Did you did you see the video? The video that the TMZ uh, leaked. So no, I haven't. Well, depends on the video, but I the the footage that got me is just seeing a car driving into people. Yeah, 
so and how that, that could, so this, could do that. Yeah, yeah. So this guy, he's like, he's not even, he's not even like a grown man. He's like 20 years old. He's still a kid, and you know, and relatively speaking, takes the hefty car and he drives it into a whole bunch of people. Like you have to have some serious psychological issues to do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? People that people that you don't even know that haven't done anything to you. You want to you you feel so strongly to go and do something like that. Like that's that's ridiculous. And the and the, and, the, and the, the comments that Trump made almost made it okay. You know, mm-hmm. like he talked about these these issues happening on many sides. You know what I'm saying? And like I understand his point, but at the same time, like you're you're not doing you're not saying anything to condemn people that are doing things like that. Like that's kind of. I don't know that 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 doesn't make sense to me, you know. So my heart and my prayers go out to people in Charlottesville. I think we need to we need we need to start thinking critically about the kind of people that are in our world and how we're going to deal with them. And if we have people like Donald Trump as our president, I don't think we're going to solve anything right now. Uh, not that I'm American, I'm very proud to be Canadian. But for the people that do live uh, in America, my friends and family included, I think uh, I think they they got their hands full, really. Mm-hmm. That that comment, you know about the the extremes on both sides I, I think that that struck with me because that's something that a lot of the time I think people want to be politically correct and they don't want to be attacking one side or the other and so it's safer to say you know we have the extremes on on the right and on the left uh, yeah. but sometimes sometimes the the one extreme is a lot worse than the other and I think uh, we we fail ourselves when we when we don't call those people out yeah 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 like I, I mean I understand what he's. I understand what he's saying with that comment. Like I know, I know that you know unfortunate things happen from every side of every argument. People, uh, you know, whether they're white supremacists or, or black supremacists, there's there's people that do wrong things everywhere. It's not that we should be thought. We, we, like, I don't think it's about talking about the sides. I think what he should have done is address the actual situation. You know what I'm saying? Like here's someone that that made a mistake. There are people that are injured and someone lost their life like i I don't know like i felt like it it was it was the wrong comment like there there's there's a lot more to be said about condemning the violence of that one person and of any extremist group but um i don't know anyways i digress man yeah yeah it's a whole it could be a whole other conversation uh you have been a, a face for the the bell let's talk campaign a face for mental health how has mental health shaped your life um, well, for for a large part of uh, of my career as an artist and, and as a young person, I always I always felt like I, I didn't know where my place was, you know. And when I was younger, when I was uh, in my high school years, I just I had a lot a lot of friends that weren't the best examples or influences in my life. And um, part of that was just trying to you know be cool, a young kid that wanted to fit in and and be popular and and you know just. Just have a have a have a good time in high school kind of thing, you know. And I ended up making some wrong friends. And uh, basically, in March of 2009, when I was in uh, when I was in high school, I got arrested for assault charges. And that's when mental health kind of really started hitting me in terms of um, the impacts of depression and anxiety. Because I remember thinking, like, you know, I let my parents down. My parents came from Pakistan to Canada to give their kid an education and a future, and I let my parents down. And I just felt I felt really bad about myself, and I felt bad about the situation. And for a long time, it kind of stayed with me. But again, you like I said before, I, I'm all, I've always been able to take a positive from every situation. And the positive that I took from that situation was that I want to use this experience as a way to 
fuel my future work in terms of advocating for kids that are at risk or advocating for young men that have uh, the wrong perception of what masculinity is, which ends, which makes them uh, make decisions that can be life altering. You know what I mean? I was lucky that I was a kid and I had my charges dropped. If I was older and I decided to make a, a stupid decision, you know, anything could have gone wrong for me, and it, this, the consequences would have been so much more severe. So, uh, so that's kind of how the mental health element ties in. But again, there's always a positive to every situation. You just got to be willing to look at it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. For for you, was it was it a realization? that depression and, and anxiety were things that you were dealing with already leading up to that night? Or was that something that came after that in, in the feeling that you let your parents down and, um, and feeling like, how did I get into this place? I mean, I think to a certain degree both, but I think it was more so after the fact. It was, mm-hmm. man, it was, it was hard, you know, being a kid and you know, the officer's got you pinned to a car and he's putting cuffs behind, you know, on your wrists and you're in the back of a police cruiser and there's like a meter of space and you're, you're like suffocating. You can't even breathe properly. And then you, you go to the station and they make you take your clothes off and they put you in a cell. Like it's, that's a, that's a very scary thing. You know, even when I, even when I think back at it now, I'm like, I actually went through that when I was 15 years old. I wouldn't yeah, want any. Really, right? I would, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want anyone to go through that because that's a very, especially a kid. That's a very scary feeling. But the unfortunate truth is that there are a lot of kids that are going through these situations and the situations that are even worse than that situation. And if I can be a catalyst in trying to help kids that are in situations like that, if I can do something through my art um, to save those kids, then. You know, that's that's I, I feel like that's my calling. You know what I mean? You've mentioned this before to other people. The look on your mom's face, the the thing that really kind of hit and sunk in for you, that made you want to get out of that. That became a catalyst for you to to turn things around and turn it into a positive. Uh, what was what was that look like as as you uh, are getting taken away? I think the hardest part was just. Uh, just hearing my mom um, just yell while I was in the car, you know, she's she's basically saying, you know, where's my son going? Give me my son back. And I just remember trying to like, I was trying to look at her face, but you know, the space in the back of the car is so tight that you know, I try to turn my head, and I, I can't really fully turn my head. And I, that was just that was just a really it was a really bad feeling, you know. And more than anything, that's what I thought about that night when I was in that cell that. You know, I, I got I got my mom who, who loves me, who cares about me, and I've I've really let her down. And not just her, but I have two younger siblings, and I've let them down as as an older brother that they should be looking up to as as a mentor and as a role model. So, I think in summary, that's kind of what I took from that whole situation. You know what I mean? Were you in a cell by yourself, or were you sharing it with somebody? Uh, what was the, your surroundings like? Yeah, no, I was I was just I was by myself. I was I was alone. There's it was a, I guess it was a quiet night for them, so there wasn't a lot of people. There was someone that they they brought in, but they they kind of put him so he wasn't interfering with me. As some drunk guy for some reason, I don't really remember the details. It was, it was a long time ago, but um, but yeah, man, like yeah, it was just it was just me. It was it was a tough night. I mean, what else can I say? You know? Yeah, sleep sleepless yeah. night, a hard hard one to uh, to get some. Rest. One of those, one of those, man, one of those. Yeah. yeah. You you had a teacher that gave you a book, the rose that grew from concrete. Yeah. Tell me about the effect of that book on you. So that's a book written by my man Tupac, uh, mm-hmm. Tupac Shakur, one of the one of the legends in hip hop, 
and a lot of people don't know this, but he's a poet as well as a rap artist. And that book was a book of his poetry that he wrote. And when I, I never knew that poetry and rap were connected in any way. You know what I mean? I, I never thought they would ever be related in any in any regard. So when I picked this up, I was like, wow, like that's crazy. And it came at a very important time in my life where I was I was dealing with these struggles. So as you can imagine, a young kid like that going through some hard times gets a book like this, starts thinking about, I mean, I love rap music. Maybe I can, you know, take a stab at writing and and doing poetry. And so I did. And what kind of what resulted out of all that was just the opportunity to share my story and share my narrative through a poem. And so uh, now I use poetry to talk to kids all over uh, North America, really, about social issues, things like, um, you know, diversity, Islamophobia, mental health, bullying. You know, it's kind of just that's the spark. That's that's what started it all. So I have to give kudos to to my teacher, Miss Riley. I met up with her like last weekend. We we caught up after a long time. So, you know, this I had someone that really cared, man. You've been on a lot of stages and spoken to a lot of peers since then. But there was a moment for you after getting in that book when you went up in front of your class to recite one of your poems. Take me to that moment, the feeling as you're going up to the front of the class and sharing something very personal to dude you. holy every every step uh was a mountain in that situation just because i was so nervous i was so scared i thought people were gonna people were gonna think i was weird you know but i i just had this voice in my head that said you know you you gotta do this you really gotta do this and so i mustered up every ounce of courage that i had in my body and i said let's let's go and I did it, and the response was incredible because I had so many people, people that I didn't even know, they were just in my class in high school, that just came up to me and they said so many kind words, like, yo, that was that was brave, that was that was important for you to share, like, we appreciate you, like, you're not alone, you know? So hearing that as a young man, uh, taking a step like that was very, very important. And what very grade important. was this for you? Was that, this was grade, grade, that was grade 11. 11, okay, yeah. I was a, I was a youngin', man. How, how quickly after that do you start getting in front of you know, because that's got to be a powerful feeling. Do you, how quickly after that do you start getting other chances to speak in front of people and, and continue to tell your story? Well, professionally, it took a few years. But in terms of just like performing at open mics and, and working with my homies at Unity and, uh, you know, just doing stuff in the community that was like very small scale kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I started doing I started doing stuff like right after right after that year, like in grade 12, I was volunteering. I was working with uh, the Arts Council in Mississauga and all that stuff. And a lot of it was like small scale stuff, but it was enough to just get me started and, and just get me thinking about, okay, is this something I want to pursue? Is it a hobby? Is it something that I share? And, um, you know, I came to the conclusion that I wanted to put my eggs in this basket and take it professionally. And now, uh, by the grace of God, I've been able to travel all over this beautiful country and, and perform my art and do what I love, you know? So, so yeah, it's become a business now, you know? So it's, it's kind of cool that way. What came first for you? Was it United Way or was it Unity and your involvement there? Oh, man, Unity was, was way before United Way. United Way was like when I was in my first year at university. Unity uh, was something I was involved with in high school. You know, like there were, there were festivals and stuff I've been going to ever since I was like 17 years old, you know? So they're one of the first people to kind of take me on as an artist and, and give me a platform and give me mentors and, and give me an opportunity. So 
yeah man I, you know those guys from unity do do good stuff you know yeah absolutely uh take me to a really special moment for you you're backstage at we day kendrick lamar is right there next <laughs> yeah. to you and you guys Shoot. kick a freestyle together what's that moment Dude. like your your heart rate the goosebumps what are you feeling Man, I still feel so excited just like thinking about it, you know, because Kendrick is one of the kings of hip hop right now. And I love I love who he is as a person. And this man, just the fact that he was willing to spit some raps with me was insane. You know, if that was any other artist, they probably would have said no. But just just how genuine he is and how cool of a person he is. He's like, yo, let's do it. And in the moment, I actually I, I, I couldn't feel anything. I was just I was so focused on trying to. Uh, compose myself. I couldn't feel anything, but the second I walked away and like you know we went back to our our dressing room kind of thing, I was man, I was like jumping up and down. I was like yelling at the top of my lungs, like I just freaking did that, you know? It was crazy, and just the fact that um, it was captured on 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 YouTube on video just made it so much more special because I could look back at it and just uh, just share it with my friends, you know? So. So so dope, bro. So dope. <laughs> you got to raise a million dollars. You've raised over a million dollars for United Way. Yeah. How did your your involvement with United Way start? Uh, yeah, so it started well, when I was in university. I started volunteering with them, and uh, and I started talking about giving back to the community. I talked about my story, and I talked about how it's important that we give kids like me uh, just an opportunity to stay away from trouble, and. United Way was so was so uh, was so moved by it, and they put me in front of all of their like literally all the top corporations that you could think of. Like they they put me in front of them, and they said, uh, you know, you'd be a great representative for United Way to talk to these corporate organizations. And again, when we think about uh, funding and stuff, it's the corporate organizations that have the the big dollars to actually make it happen. So. Um, so, so my my part in it, I have to admit, was uh, was really small in terms of organizing everything, in terms of getting me in front of the people and the people having the money to make the contributions. That was all United Way. You know what I what I just did was I I got up on the stage and I tried to to, to make them feel empowered enough to, to to share some of what they have in in terms of monetary uh, value. You know what I mean? So. Uh, so yeah, and it was it was a process, you know. It didn't happen overnight. It happened over you know the course of two three years. But I'm very proud of that, and and I'm really glad I was able to make a contribution towards my community. You know what I mean? You've been named Mississauga's poet laureate, and that's a position that'll last for a couple of years. Uh, how did that announcement come about? Because it's a nomination process, right? So somebody nominates you for that. Uh, how do you find out about that happening, and and what has it led to since? Yeah, so uh, basically, my uh, my buddy Jim Tovey, who's uh, Ward One in Mississauga, he's a, he's a city councilor. Um, he's kind of been involved in my work ever since I was I was trying to rap back then, and, and he uh, I, I don't know, man. He just he just hit me up on Facebook, and he's like, "We gotta get you, we gotta get you as poet laureate." And I was like, "I really don't think I'm good enough. Um, I haven't I haven't been a poet long enough." And he's like, "Just go for it." And so he nominated me. I was kind of reluctant, but I went for it. And I was actually sitting at Pearson Airport. I was going to go to do a school um, tour in Saskatchewan. And I got the call. And they're like, hey, you've been selected. And I was like, I was like, what? <laughs> like, you guys, I can't, I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow. And then I just, man, I was so, I was so overjoyed. Just, to, just a chance to, uh, 
to represent Saga. I mean, growing up here and having a position like this in my hometown and then, you know, just thinking about the opportunities. I got a chance to perform at Celebration Square for Canada Day. There was like 10,000 people there. It's it's nuts, man. Like, I'm super, super grateful. And now I get to I get to work with the city on some of the projects they want me to write, uh, you know, some poems on, on certain initiatives they're doing. So it's cool, man. Keeps me busy. That Celebration Square thing's pretty cool. I mean, from coming to be, from coming to Canada, being the kid who gets bullied for being a foreign kid, fast forward and you are the representative, the face of Canada Day <laughs> for your city, Mississauga. Yeah. 10,000 people there plus watching you and listening to you deliver the thing that you're so passionate about. What's that yeah. moment like? That's nuts, man. It's a dream come true. That's all it is. That's all I can say, man. I mean, all of this, not just that. Kendrick and doing school presentations, doing you know interviews like this with my with my boy Martin. Every everything like this is it's a dream come true because I had every strike against me. So even the fact that we're talking about this right now, it's it's my dream, man. That's all I can say, you know. Uh, what has poetry taught you about yourself in in expressing yourself? through verse and and in writing your feelings i think two two very very simple things that one uh i shouldn't be afraid of what anyone has to say poetry has been the the reason that i've been able to make a difference in people's lives and and, and, uh in my community and second it's taught me that uh there's there's always an opportunity for me to release my stress through through my art you know so not only am i making a difference which is number one but i'm actually I'm actually I'm, I'm coping with everything that's happening in my life, you know, and that's why I try to tell these kids to to go find their passion, to find uh, whatever makes them happy, whether it's shooting a basketball or writing rap lyrics or dancing. It's because uh, you can make a difference through your art, and you can just cope with everything that's happening. So that's probably the two main things that it's taught me. This is something that you you tweeted, I think, and it was a while ago, but it struck me. You mentioned that you you came to realize that all of your struggles were the biggest blessings in your life. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I think, so that's kind of going back to what we talked about earlier, just that the fact that all this is a dream, you know, it's just, I had every strike against me and I never thought that I'd get here, but the fact that I am here, the fact that I've had people help me so much and give me an opportunity and a platform to, to get me to where I'm at, I think that's, that, that's kind of where that tweet kind of stemmed from because I was thinking back to my life and just where where I've been and what I've gone through and and, and here I am now you know so uh, they, they've kind of helped me they kind of helped shape who I am they've, they've um, through the struggles I've gotten a lot of mentors and you know that if I, if I didn't have the struggles for I would I would I also wouldn't be able to appreciate all the blessings now you know what I mean so uh, yeah so it kind of serves that purpose what we haven't talked about yet. You've, you've mentioned before how to you the part of the dream is to be an educator, to get back into classrooms and to inspire again those same sorts of kids that you get to talk to all the time. Uh, what, what is the ultimate goal for you and, and, um, and how do you see a, a classroom? Why, why is a classroom the dream for you? Uh, just because it's, it's, such a, it's such a great way to connect with kids, you know? Like, I've, I've always felt passionate about helping kids. I mean, I'm an older brother, so, um, you know, I've always been, I've always tried to be a mentor for, for the younger, for the younger generation in that regard, too. But more importantly, I've just had great teachers, man. Like, I had 
Miss McIntosh, who I call Tosh, and Miss Riley, the, the teacher who gave me that the, the Tupac book. Um, and they've just been such great role models for me that I was like, man, if, if these two amazing teachers, Miss McIntosh and Miss Riley, can make a difference like this in my life, then I want to be like Miss McIntosh. I want to be like Miss Riley. I want to make a difference in, in one kid's life in the future. You know what I mean? So. Um, that's why I'm so passionate about going to schools and, and, and doing what I do. You know, I could have, I could have, I could, I'm sure if I tried hard enough, man, I could have been rapping about girls and money and drugs and all that mainstream stuff that people seem to really like nowadays. But, uh, I chose not to, I chose not to invest my time to that because I know that my calling is greater. You know what I mean? Why would I, why would I settle for something just because there's more money in it when I could be doing something that I know is going to fulfill my soul, you know, you know, one thing I'd like to end with is a spoken word piece of yours. If you're if you're up for it, if you can think of whether it's one that's particularly meaningful to you that you've written before, or or one that just seems appropriate to you based on your catalog, are you game for that? Uh, yeah, I'm game. And that kind of that kind of leads into what I'm about to share with you too. Uh, this is actually a verse, like it's a it's it's a verse, and I kind of I kind of wrote it when I was I was a little upset, but I was just I was thinking about. The struggle and I was thinking about what I went through and how it shaped me so I think this kind of this verse kind of really sets up everything we talked about very well just I think I think it's it's perfect so uh, yeah you want to hear it yeah let's hear it all right cool it's been a minute since I've written but I think I've really grown learned the ropes with hopes to make it on my own since king of the castle they wonder where I've gone and when I rap with Kendrick I really should have blown I realized you can't be sitting waiting on the dream you gotta make a way cause finding one's too mainstream and that ain't me that ain't Wally the kid who used to write raps in classic CP the kid who had dreams to act on TV the kid who got jumped for his mp3 and now these dudes envy me cause they heard Selena say my name on MTV TV. And I don't care if this is and I don't care if this is music you won't dance to alike. It's the type of thing I vibe to alone at night. And you'll hardly catch me cussing. Tosh taught me better. Plus I'd rather have all of my thoughts together. Stay positive and I spoke the truth. Wanted to give back, so I spoke to you. Told him my story and that nothing's impossible. Believe in God and maneuver through the obstacles. That's my Thank verse you right all, there. Man. Yeah, That's no problem. A, incredible. Thank you. It's a really it's really nice to catch up to you again. It it was uh it was three years ago in two days' time. Three years anniversary from I remember. I remember that, man. I remember that day in London. That was that was that was so dope, man. Thank you for, for having me up that day, bro. Hey, well, it was a special day for me and, and I appreciate you being a part of it and appreciate the person that you've become today and Thanks, uh, man. and all the best to you. Thanks, man. I'm glad we kept in touch. Thanks for doing this interview, brother. That's it for the show. Thanks for listening, and I hope you liked it. Wally's voice alone should have been reason enough to listen, but man, super inspiring guy. If you want to know more about him or take a look at his public speaking, head to wallyflowshaw.com. And if you like the show, do me a favor, hit subscribe and share it with someone else. This is episode 16, and there are a lot of other episodes worth checking out and more on the way. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher. It's also coming to YouTube. A couple episodes are there already. Theme music for the show is by Dr. Turtle off the album You Um, I'll Ah. Once again, I'm Martin Bauman, and this was A Story Untold. See you next time. Mm-hmm.